0: Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. That is a lie. (laughs) Words hurt. Words seep into our psyche. They wound the deepest parts and most precious parts of our soul. Yes, sticks and stones break bones. That's not the lie. It's that words do harm us. My mom has a pretty decent singing voice. She spent most of her life in choirs and leading kids' choirs at Vacation Bible School. She's even been asked to sing in a few weddings. When she was in college, she took a vocal music class. After she sang a solo in front of the professor in the class, he looked at her and said, my goodness, what are you doing here? 40 plus years she still tells the story like it was yesterday. She still hears the voice of the professor in her head and she wonders in her soul, am I gonna be good enough when I sing this time? Words hurt. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying in this last beatitude. People are gonna spew hurtful and hateful words at you. So you better be ready. And Jesus knows this. He even blesses it. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's a lot here in this last beatitude. Jesus knew his people were being ridiculed. He knew his people were being mocked and bullied. He knew the people listening to the Sermon on the Mount were people on the losing end of words, just like the prophets of old. People in authority were spitting vitriol, using cutting and biting words that pierce at the heart of anyone. Jesus knew they were being reviled because of him, so he blesses them. Reminds them they are more than the words being slung, and their reward will be great in heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I can't help but think that Jesus knew. He knew that all of this would still exist today. He knew there would be people who would revile all of us, just like the prophets were. And that's such a great word, revile. It means there's going to be people who, and this is the definition, criticize you in an abusive and insulting way. I've been on the receiving end of such words. I've also been the one who gave them. And in both cases, it hurts. But we still say them. Maybe it's out of our defensiveness or our bitterness or even sadness, but we unload words. And too often, it's at the people we love. And it leaves everyone wounded. Everyone loses when we share words that revile. And here's a tell that I'm wounded. This is how I know. A hundred of you could tell me something positive about this sermon. And one of you could tell me something biting about it. And if I hold that one comment with me for the next four hours or four days, and I just repeat it over and over again in my mind, then I know my soul is disintegrated and I need to take note of that. Otherwise, the cancer that comes with this unconscious way of holding pain, it will eat away at me. And remember this, if we don't learn to process our pain, if we do not have the tools to transform our pain, we will surely transmit it. That's true for me. I'd say 99% of the time that I get frustrated and I say something that I immediately regret, it's because I'm unconscious to the pain that someone else inflicted onto me. My soul is wounded by someone else's words. I am powerless and unconscious to what that thing was, but yet I still explode. I transmit that pain onto the poor people around me. And it's usually my family and my friends. We all do it. And Jesus knows this. His brother James does too. Almost every one of these Beatitudes have led me to other parts of the Bible. And they seem to emphasize Jesus' Beatitudes perfectly and that's no different today. Today, Jesus blesses those who are having all kinds of evil uttered against them. I can't help but take today's last beatitude and to lay it beside his brother James, chapter 3. James picks up on almost a parallel conversation, but instead of speaking to the persecuted, which is what Jesus does, blessed are you who people say all kinds of evil things about you, James is talking to the ones doing the persecuting. And we need to see both sides today. Listen to what James says in James 3. It's unbelievable. Not many of you should become teachers. My brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged greater with strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes a strong winds to drive them, yet they're guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, but it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a place among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. Powerful words by James. I love all of his metaphors. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to steer them, the same should be true for our tongues. Ships have huge sails, but they still need a tiny rudder to guide them. The same should be true for our tongues. A forest is set ablaze by a small spark. The same is true for our tongues. The tongue is tiny. It pales in comparison to the size of our bodies or our lives or our relationships or the trajectory of our careers or memories or marriages. Yet this tiny little thing is just a little bit, but it controls so much. It's a rudder that steers us. It's a spark that inflames us in all that we are. Physically, emotionally, socially, relationally, and all that we do, as big as we are, as much as we accomplish, the tongue, as tiny as it is, can bring it all down. You can lose friends over your words. You can damage family ties over your words. You can set ablaze decades of goodwill in a single moment with just words You can make someone feel like they don't belong on this earth with your words. Jesus knows this. So he blesses those who are being pummeled by someone else's words. But real quick, back to James, because he's not done. Verse 7. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With our tongues, we bless the Lord, our Father, and with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. We sure do. Verse 10, from the same mouth, Becomes comes blessing and cursing. This ought not to be so. It sure should. As Christians, we need to make sure we're taming our tongues. What we say matters. How we say it matters. How we type it into the interwebs matters. Verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? No. Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives on a grapevine? No. No more can salt water yield fresh. James is covering some ground with his metaphors here. He's saying our words can cut people down. It can drown people out and we must learn to control the parts of us that seek mercilessness. Because whether we realize it or not, words hurt, and they leave everyone in their wake wounded. So much so, the research proves it. I first got concerned about the negative effects of bullying and self-talk several years ago, and I came across some research done by Henry Nowen, and I can't shake it. He says that people often listen to outside voices more than they listen to an inner voice. Our personalities and desires and even our wants are driven from outside of who we are. The world tells us what we want and what we should look like and what we should love. Our internal makeup is shaped at least partially by what comes to us from the world. And what comes to us from the world? Words. Advertisements use words. Commercials use words. (laughs) Teachers use words. Coaches use words. Parents use words. We interpret things coming to us with our own words. And then we then process these words. And what happens if we're unconscious to this? They seep into our thought patterns and they start to define how we see ourselves. If the words coming to us are loving, then we start to feel better about ourselves. But if the words coming to us are cursings, then we start to second guess our place in this world. And so Nouwen's research furthers this, and it goes like this. The world's voice tells us something negative, and it's usually interpreted I'm not good enough. You start listening to this and you build what he calls self-rejection. It comes from a neurotic, insecure place. But this insecurity builds and it builds and it leads you to believe you're never going to be enough. And you push yourself into outer darkness. Outer darkness is when people start to feel is if they no longer belong in human existence and when they start feeling this way the voices they hear from the world just repeat themselves over and over again see you're not good enough you'll never be good enough you'll never arrive and do you know how all of this starts with words words hurt They can even lead to death. According to the CDC, more teenagers and young adults die from suicide every year than teenagers and young adults who die from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease combined. And do you know what leads young adults and teenagers down this road? Words. And James knows this, and he's warning everyone here. Verse 10 in James 3, From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. We have to speak better. We have to use words better. We have to tame our tongues better. And so Jesus comes in here at the end of the Beatitudes to help those who have been victimized by other people's words. And he says, Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, your reward will be great in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, Jesus is clearly picking up on the same lesson that James is teaching. He helps raise the consciousness of those who are on the losing end of other people's words. And he blesses those people. And so they can transform their pain and not transmit it. Jesus is telling all of us, whether the world ever tells you this or not, this comes from Jesus. You do matter. You do belong. You are enough, just as you are. Now, people will criticize us and it's going to hurt. We will feel it. But blessed are you, because when you are reviled, you can rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in the kingdom of heaven.